Uh, good morning, church, once again. Good to see you here and over at the hub. I don't know what does the hub look like. H-U-B comes to me as have unsurpassing blessings. Oh, that's getting a applause for those who are there and here. So excited to be able to be together, even we are miles apart, <laughs> in some sense of the word. Let me bring you greetings from the President of the Annual Conference, Reverend Dr. Gordon Wong, and the 20 pastors and over almost 7,000 members together in the other five churches. And that together uh, is our President's desire that we collaborate and find some common grounds in addition to our local church ministries to serve our living God together. And the Lord has blessed us with a variety of uh, gifts and, and uh, distinct uh, ministries in, in, in the sense of the word in every local church and I believe that as we work together uh, we can advance uh, deeper into the hearts of the people in our community. Again allow me to express my grateful thanks to your Pastor Anthony uh, we have Pastor Colin and Pastor Yamkai over at the hub area and your leaders for this kind invite to come and share in this morning's uh, service. Would you please join me for a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to honour you and to worship you. We pray that as we turn our hearts to the Word of God, living and the eternal Word of God, that you will speak to us. You will direct our hearts to discern your will and purpose for each and every one of us and for us as a church. Guide us as we commit this time to you, through Jesus our Lord, we pray. Amen. Who can serve? I thought I would share uh, my personal uh, perspective on Christian service and to encourage all of us as we continue in the service of God's uh, kingdom. Let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. I am among you as the one who serves. Of course, the great and supreme example of the servant of God is none other than our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Mark 10 verse 45 tells us that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we take our direction from our Lord and Saviour Jesus, the incarnate ones who came, lived amongst us, and shows us the way to Christian service. John Wesley tells us, one of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion of serving God. And since invisible to our eyes, we are to serve Him in our neighbour, which He receives as if done to Himself in person, standing visibly before us. And Wesley has always uh, exemplified uh, the whole nature of serving the agenda of God by serving the neighbours around Him. Uh, by the same token, I do want to encourage all of us, leaders and members and friends alike, uh, that as we look at the needs around us, let's pray that God will grant us the spirit of servanthood as we go around to serve 
the people around us. John Hedgie, the senior pastor or founding pastor of Cornerstone Church, a mega church in San Antonio, Texas, says, the measure of a man's greatness is not the number of servants he has, but the number of people he serves. Think of your circle of influence. Think of the way in which you are in touch with the people around you. Think about the, of the boys and girls, men and women, the people that you are serving. May God grant us a measure of that greatness by giving us that opportunity to influence, to touch and transform lives by His Spirit. Then the question is, what are the prerequisites for Christian service? We think about Christian service, the world will have their opinion or perspectives. Allow me just to highlight maybe three common or key uh, understanding of service. One, some people think that first of all you need credentials. You know what's credentials? Right? You need diploma, certificate, uh, uh, degrees, uh, and these things. Yeah, these are important, but are these the key uh, for Christian service? Uh, Margaret Thatcher wrote, Conservatives have excellent credentials to speak about human rights. By our efforts and with, little, with precious little help from self-styled liberals, we are largely responsible for securing liberty for a substantial share of the world's population and defending it for most of the rest. So she was very proud that uh, Britain possesses the credentials uh, to make a difference in the lives of the world. And you know how UK had played its, her role uh, many years ago, I think, right, about shaping the world in many ways. When you apply for a job, right, you fill in application form uh, under resume. You need to fill in something, right? Your, your credentials, right? your, your, your achievements, your work experience. People look at that generally as a first level. The second level could be what we call connections. All of us have some kind of connection, don't we? Some of us like to be on our own. Huh? We sit in a particular place every time in the church. We think God is only there all the time. Right? So we stay that place. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's fine. That's maybe a holy habit <laughs> that you have cultivated all these years. Others like to connect with one another. Right? Like to have a sort of uh, mutual connection with one another. Uh, I have a very warm and wonderful connection with my children and, and uh, recently a, a grandchild. Uh, I have three children. Uh, two boys and one girl. Girl married. And son-in-law recently had a posting to Tokyo. Right? So they left sometime in October last year. And just before little Josh, my grand, our grandson, turned two years old. And now two boys, one uh, older, one younger, and they are getting married this year anyway. Right? So it's a, it's a major uh, happening in our home. It's a happy happening, praise God. Okay, back to this grandson. Just such an adorable boy. Some of you who have the privilege to, have, to be grandpapa or grandmama will think it is a very interesting season, don't you think so? Of course, we feel painful. Huh? A little fella, huh? so young, we carry a door, and then suddenly we'll be away from us seven hours by flight, you know, at least to Tokyo. October, just before his second birthday, on the third day when they were in uh, Tokyo, 
Janeline, my daughter, brought him downstairs near his apartment to take a look at the neighborhood. And then he saw a taxi. Then he told mommy, mommy, he was le- learning how to talk at about two years old. I want to take taxi. Okay. And then mommy said, yes, darling, where do you want to go? The little boy looked at mommy and says, I want to take taxi to see grandpapa. Oh, yeah. She called me instantly. I went to the airport to fly to Tokyo. <laughs> I wish I could do that. <laughs> that weekend I had the responsibility to preach in my local church. And uh, you know that kind of connection, right? That we, we love and we treasure, right? And I thank God that two days ago they came back for this Chinese New Year. So he's around, this little fellow's around. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. We connect those whom we love, we like, we appreciate. It gives us energy, you know? it gives us kind of motivation to move forward. And I pray that the church will also be connected in such a way, your cell group, your small group, your fellowship group, your ministry groups, will be connected in such a deep way that you, when someone is away, you sort of, like, there's a gap, there's a vacuum, that kind of thing. Don't you feel that way, those in the hub? You feel distance from us? Okay, <laughs> Here we feel a little bit. Huh? <laughs> okay, the second, the third one. The third one, people think that you want to serve God, you must have charisma. You know what's charisma? Maria Ann Williamson, uh, a social activist, quite likely she will prepare herself to be the uh, candidate for the democratic uh, election in the United States soon. She says, charisma is a sparkle in people that money can't buy. It is an invisible energy with visible effects. Wow, isn't that? How many of us got charisma and charm? Generally, you are a charming kind of person. We are? Turn the one next to you. I don't, please don't say, yeah! <laughs> Control. <laughs> There's a New Yorker a journalist who wrote extensively for merger and acquisitions. And his writings are well read by many people. He wrote this. There's a long list of psychology research demonstrating that appearances matter than most of us would care to admit. As shallow as as it may be, better-looking people have been shown in various studies to have higher self-esteem and more charisma, are considered more trustworthy and are better negotiators. So that's the word perception of, of this quality that you need charisma. Okay? When a pastor invites you to serve, he looks at your credentials, your connections, and your charisma. Is it? No. He said no. <laughs> I'll come to that. Take for example, if credentials, connections, and charisma or charm equals to the prerequisites for Christian service, then only some can serve. Most of us would be disqualified yeah, if this were the criteria. What does the Bible say about, for example, credentials? Paul considered himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He had great credentials. Right? He was trained in the highest educational institution that uh, was available at that time. But he considered himself a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. No? Right? He says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified 
to me and I to the world. That was his thinking. There's a pastor of a church in Brooklyn. They call it the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. At one time in the 70s, the church was reduced to about almost 40 worshippers. Huh? And then uh, it was declining, unfortunately. And then uh, he began to refocus on his ministry. Jim Simbala says, The devil is not terribly frightened of our human efforts and credentials. But he knows his kingdom will be damaged when we begin to lift up our hearts to God. He found a conviction to say that let's not worry too much about credentials. It's good to be equipped, it's good to be trained, it's good to have all the professional degrees. But that these are not the main things. We need to lift our hearts to God. And begin systematically to guide the congregation. And today, that uh, church in Brooklyn, in New York, has a attendance of generally about 10,000 people on a weekly basis. I pray that Amokyo and the district two churches, 7,000 will be like the 7,000 in the time of Elijah. Right? They never bow their hearts or their knees to Baal, but have resolved within their hearts to serve God. And that is that kind of credential because we lift up our eyes to the Lord and all of Amokyo people here and the hub say, Amen! Amen, beautiful, right? How about charisma? Richard Wilkinson Jr., right, whose father, Wilkinson Sr., is the cousin of David Wilkinson, who wrote the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. You know the, the, the book? Very famous book in the 60s and 70s, long time ago. He says that charisma gets the attention of men, but character gets the attention of God. What is important is a character of one whose heart is aligned to the Almighty God. Charm is deceitful, says Proverbs 31 verse 30. Beauty is fleeting, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The Lord said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, Do not consider his appearance or his height. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So dear friends, only some can serve. If you entertain this ideology, some can serve, I will say this is today's term called fake news. You hear fake news right? everywhere today? Alright. Then what is the good news? Let me just briefly share with you what the good news. Who then can serve? We look at 2 Timothy a couple of verses. Let's read that together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, the first prerequisite for Christian service, in my humble opinion, is that he or she has to be called by God. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God. It is God's will who has called Paul into a missionary service of pastoral nature. And I don't believe that God calls individuals from time to time, like Moses, or Elijah, Jeremiah, uh, Lydia, uh, 
Matthew, Peter, and so on and so forth through the centuries right, for his holy service. Oswald Chambers once said, The call of God is not just for a select few, but for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears. And exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. So don't go with the notion that I cannot serve because I'm not called by God. <laughs> we want to believe that God continually calls His people to serve Him. Every one of us. Not some of us. All of us will have a place in the kingdom of God. Wherever you are in the season of life, God is calling the church to stand up as a light, as a beacon to shine for Jesus wherever we are. I serve as the DS, I serve as the Executive Director of Methodist Mission Society, the denominational mission agency of the Methodist Church in Singapore. 46 churches, membership of 40 over 1,000 people, reaching out to at least seven countries in our region. We add up all the population of these seven countries, we hit almost 2 billion people actually. It's a huge, large harvest field. And we can't do it alone. We need to mobilize all the Methodists right, to come. Your mission chair, after the service, say, come pastor, I want to have tea with you. <laughs> uh, we want to talk and find out how uh, Amokyo, right, here in the hub area, uh, hub area, you are more important because you got unsurpassing blessings, okay? More given to you, you are more responsible, okay? Okay, then you call. Come together and see how we could collaborate. Uh, we see opportunities where you can go and touch and transform lives for God's glory and His praise. Take at John Wesley. John Wesley has a very interesting ministry. He felt caught by God. Some of you think that after caught by God, nah, everything will run smoothly. On the contrary, it's not so. After you're caught by God, they, generally there will be obstacles. I've served the three over decades already as a pastor. And I can tell you there are eight times in which you may want to give up after a while. Take a look at uh, Paul. Uh, sorry, John Wesley. Fifth of May, St. Anne's Church. After preaching, he says that yeah, he was asked not to come back again. I don't know whether your pastor does that to your preachers or not. <laughs> he persisted, right? Uh, to serve at the uh, PM service. Can't go back there either. Then 19th of May, he went to a place called St. Somebody's Else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said that, that uh, Wesley couldn't return to the church itself. Hmm. 19th of May, he was kicked off the street. 26th of May, at the Meadow, he was chased out. They released a bull huh, to chase him up. 2nd of June, at the edge of town, huh, he was kicked off to the highway. That was Paul. That was John Wesley. Sorry. The turning point was he persisted because he felt a conviction that God has caught him. And so what happened? June the 2nd, PM service, he went to the pasture. Open air meeting. 10,000 people came to hear him preach. Isn't that a classic example of what does perseverance means? If you, you felt called of God, I'd like to suggest, uh, don't go away the feeling that everything shall be fine. <laughs> In fact, you can expect some kind of difficulties and challenges. But God, in His love, will lead you through as you serve God. And God will anoint you and bless you uh, as you submit yourself faithfully to Him. 
Six, second is a clear conscience. The scripture also in Second uh, Timothy continues. Let's read that together. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you. There may be filled with joy. So you see, Timothy, a disciple of Paul, Paul wrote to him and said that I I long to see you. I I, I serve you a clear conscience. I think this to me is a very important ingredient for Christian service. Conscience has to do with a person's moral sense of right and wrong. Right? We must be sensitive to what is right and should do what is right, isn't it? And run away and avoid what is wrong, in fact. And uh, I pray that God will also give us that sense of, uh, of knowledge and understanding at points where we need to retreat to think about some of these issues. Next, two weeks later, we have uh, getting back the country directors of our seven regions to have a budget review, country review. And uh, we take time to think again that all of us as we serve, sometimes we get entangled a little bit about some of the things around us. And therefore, we need to encourage one another. We need to support one another. None of us is perfect in serving God. right? But we can be assured that as we desire to keep our conscience clear, His Spirit will guide us. I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Apart from prayers, how can we keep our conscience clear, my dear friends? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Sometimes if you're trapped, you're stuck in something that you cannot get it out, you're stuck in an addiction in some way or another, but there's a prompting that you need to serve God. You want to keep the conscience clear, but you can't do it. And therefore, Scripture reminds us it is by Christ. Not by own efforts, not by own determination, not, nor neither by our perseverance, but it is by the blood of Christ who comes to cleanse us and keep our conscience clear. You come for communion later, we share in the breaking of the bread, and all of us meditate and ask, Lord, clear our sins, purify our lives, so that we could come to you face by face. The third thing is what we call consecration. Called by God, conscience cleared by God, and our lives have to be consecrated by God. What does it mean to be consecrated? Consecrated is to be made holy. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is to you through the laying of my hands. The laying of my hands has been a practice since early church as a symbol of consecration. I lay hands on somebody to ordain or to, to set you apart for, for service of the Almighty God. It is an act of consecration. Paul reminds us, present our bodies as living, as holy, sacrifice unto the Lord, isn't it? And I urge all of us to remember that. You know, Wesley was really uh, 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 fervent in consecration to God. And he, he, he says, uh, he said at one point of time, set the heart aflame, consecrated to God, so that people from miles away will come and see you burn. Is that characteristics of Amokyo Methodist Church? Over here and at the hub area. 
Your life is consecrated to God and filled with passion and fire for His kingdom's work. So much so that people from miles away will come and see you burned. There's a need of a great revival of spiritual life, of truly fervent devotion to our Lord Jesus, of entire consecration to His name. It is only in a church in which the spirit of revival has at least begun that there is any hope for of radical change in the relation of the majority of our Christian people to mission work. Andrew Murray, Murray was... Uh, Actually, parents were Scottish, educated in Edinburgh, but brought to South Africa. He remained in South Africa. He served in South Africa for the rest of his life. And one who was dedicated to serve God. So therefore, the prerequisite of Christian service are the three C's that I want to submit to you. Called by God, adopting a clear conscience, and that is one that is consecrated by God. Finally, I ask yourself, who can serve? All can serve. I think that, to me, is the good news and not the fake news. You and I can serve. As Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's Vedic grace. In closing, may I invite you to echo what Joshua did when he was asked, who will you serve today? And what did Joshua say? Together we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for this great news that not only some can serve, all of us can serve in one way or another. We ask you, O God, to speak to our hearts, areas where we could serve you. As we dedicate our hearts to you, we know that your Spirit will enable us to serve you with much joy, passion and fire. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen.